You're listening to Close the Loop, a podcast for business decision makers who are eager to put on their marketing hat and prove the worth of their campaigns. Here to get you excited about attribution and invite you to act on these topics is the host, Kevin Dini, a true marketing and data nerd, live and virtual event speaker, and fan of all things Batman. He's joined by a variety of guests, subject matter experts, and colleagues who are passionate about helping business leaders like you to succeed. No need to take notes. Just visit the show page on callsource.com and read the transcripts, watch the episodes, or get any links mentioned in the show. Hello, and welcome to the Close the Loop podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Dini, and today we're going to be talking about managing remote employees. This is a topic a couple years ago, I don't know if I would have thought about it, thought about this would even be a topic. But it's something that's happening all over the world, and it's all—it's across every level of business. It's a really interesting topic. It's something that I've been asked. This is something we want to know more about uh, from our listeners. So this is something I'm excited to dive into. To help me discuss this topic as someone who manages remote employees here at CallSource. Her name is Tiffany Tran. She's been doing this for a long time. She's been you know, doing this probably as soon as the whole world was forced to doing this. She jumped on the bandwagon, too. But... Um, I've known her for a long time. She's worked with us here at Call, with me here at CallSource for a while, and I'm excited to talk about this. So welcome, Tiffany. Thanks, Kevin. I'm excited to be here. As Kevin mentioned, I have been doing this since the beginning of the pandemic, so I'm really excited to talk about it, talk about some of the things that have worked for me, maybe some of the things that haven't worked for me. Um I've been working for CallSource for the last nine years. I am now our Senior Director of Customer Success. So anything support-related all trickles back down to me. All client interface comes back to me at the end of the day. Outside of that, um, I've got two kids. I love to garden and read. And I'm just adjusting to life after COVID, I guess. (laughs) Yeah, it, it's such a big change that's happened. I, I mean, the culture of some companies was like, if you're not working around in the office, I don't think you're working. So, like, that would be somewhere I'd almost want to start. Is like, in regards to remote employees, like, how, how, do, how do you know anyone's doing any work? <laughs> I think this is actually a question I get asked a lot by our clients, especially. Um we have daily check-in measures. So we have constant communication. That's the big thing. So my team is logged into Slack all day long. They check in when they get there. They check in when they're leaving for lunch. Sometimes it seems a little bit like I'm micromanaging, but it's really important to know where everybody is, but also have grace in the fact that people have lives and things have changed and we have to respect that and trust that you've hired a good team who is putting in the work. I guess I almost wanted to jump into this topic almost too quickly because I also want to make sure everyone is listening. There's different types of work environments. So let's say that there's lots of combinations of those, right? There's, like, so there's sometimes work environments where it's like I work for 40 or four days, crazy long hours, and I don't work other days. I'm not really talking about that. It's more like the environment here, right? Like you're either in office, out of office, or doing some sort of a hybrid. So 
there are these different types of environments and, and what are those types of environments and if you could like kind of define them a little bit better for me. Sure. So what we're experiencing, at least at Call Source, is we have a lot of hybrid. So for instance, myself, I come into the office two to three days a week, and then I work from my home office every other day of the week. For me, my team works 100% remote for the most part. While that being said, I have had some employees recognize that they do better working in an office environment. So they've come back to work in the call source headquarters just because that was better suited for them and their personalities. I think in this episode, there's going to be two big things I, I, that I'm kind of hoping we can touch on. One of them is like the management side, your role, how you help them, help your team be successful working remotely. The other thing I'm wondering about too is, is the employee side. What is it like? to be remote work and, and maybe have been in the office and then become remote work, right? Because that's sort of what the transition is here, right? Sure, absolutely. I think that that was, at least at the beginning, was a huge transition. Everybody had this idea that working from home was this great thing and that's what they wanted. It was the ultimate perk. I don't think everybody realized how disciplined you have to be in working at home. For me personally, as a manager and managing my team, I have to over-communicate everything because they're not in front of you. You can't just walk out of your office and have a conversation. So we've tried to create an environment that replicates that. So do we have constant Slack communication? We have email conversations constantly. And I've made myself available at any time that they need me. So if they need to call me, text me, whatever works best for them, but keeping that line of communication open has been extremely important to have a successful work from home team. I think as an employee, it's a little daunting because they don't always come and ask questions. So you have to almost prompt those questions. So whenever I do research for an episode, I look at, okay, Here's the pros for managing remote employees. Here's all the great benefits. But I've also looked at what, what is the argument against it? What's everyone saying? And one of the things that people were saying is, as a manager, it feels like micromanaging. And that's like a feeling that they don't want to convey to their teams. It's like, I'm watching everything you do. Like, I'm on your webcam. I'm watching your keystrokes. If you walk away, I know. And that's not how it was in the work in, in the office environment. Yeah, they were around, but it's not like you were like peeking through the blinds of the office, like <laughs> watching them every second, you know? So that, that, that feeling of ultra micromanagement to me does feel a little bit like sour, you know? So what would you say about this argument of if we, if we go to remote work, I'm going to have to be micromanaging ultra and it's just going to feel terrible and it's not going to create and foster a good relationship or environment as a manager to the employee. Sure. So I think as much as it feels like you're micromanaging, I think a big part of it is you have to trust that you've put proper process in place, that you have things to measure success. And even now, adapting and changing those things as the work environment changes. I stress with my team that I'm not here to watch every little thing that they're doing. But at the same time, if metrics start falling, then we have to have a closer conversation. The big difference, I think, for me is just keeping the lines of communication open and making sure that you're continuously asking questions, but also recognizing that they're people, right? Because even when we were in an office, 
you were still recognizing that they're people, they like to socialize, they like to have conversations. And so allowing yourself to be open to just have conversations, because I think it's so easy to get lost in only business conversations when you're remote remembering that they're people and they like to connect with other people and they like to just have conversations and letting that be okay. Yeah. I, I, that was, that's immediately the last thing I, I was seeing crop up was people saying psychologists weighing in maybe, or just different types of organizational behavioral, behavioral people looking at the workplace and being like, this is, this has the chance to be very difficult because employees are going to be isolated in to some extent. Or maybe, you know, maybe work from home for a lot of people is them home alone. Or, you know, maybe they have a roommate or something that's doing it, or they have a spouse that's doing it too, in your case, you know? So, like, if you could touch on, like, or how you combat the isolation, the aloneness, also the, like, the the disconnectedness, the social, the people still kind of need to get feedback on socially, how you've either dealt with that, what you've seen in that, anything. Sure. So, for me, Personally, I've been very fortunate, as Kevin mentioned. My husband also works from home, so I have a built-in colleague. Comes with its own challenges, though, working with your spouse already for the same company, but also then working in the same space. It's a little bit much. But I have had, even on my team, I've had teams identify, this is not for me. I'm too isolated. I need to put myself back in a work environment. I need to be back in an office. You have to recognize that not everybody enjoys working from home and be adaptable to that. And so if you're looking to hire someone, are they really open to working from home 100%? Do they have outlets? Do they have friends that they're regularly talking to? Do they have outside of work interactions? If they don't, then you have to make sure as a manager that you're prioritizing creating those connections for them. For me personally, we do things like we have a book club for some of the girls on the team where that's what they like to do. They like to read. I love to read. So, hey, let's just get together and have a social meeting once a month and we talk about it, right? Also opening up your team meetings for that, letting them just have conversations, letting them joke and interact as if they're in the office. Um, And our Slack channel communicates a lot to that as well. So they just communicate, they talk back and forth. They're definitely open in terms of that communication. And I try not to control that too much so that they do get some interaction with other people that's not 100% work-related. Gotcha. Wow, that's all really interesting. And and I've heard tips like that out there and seeing, you know, I almost wonder, like, has it been long enough that we know that everything is working or not? So I was kind of curious, how do you kind of know that the remote thing is working or that, that things are working. I mean, there's sort of signs of data, there's signs and maybe you have conversations with employees and they're giving you this feedback, like, it's great. I, I might need more of a work environment or, you know, what if we started a club or something? I think that's all amazing feedback that you've been getting and that there's, you still have those relationships. But is there anything you're looking at where you're saying to yourself, you know, this is working or maybe it has not been long enough for you to know? So I think for me, this was a big thing I did last year was I started to measure our effectiveness with data. I think that was the first thing, asking people if it's working because they like the perks of working from home. I don't know that you're always going to get an honest answer there. The proof was in our data. Our connections with clients has skyrocketed because I think they also now are in home environments. And so we've had more connection than ever. I think we also can tell just in email response rates, how many meetings we're having and measuring all of that 
but having a baseline for that, right? So what did it look like before we worked from home with a team of the same size? And what does it look like now? And is it increasing? Is it decreasing? And kind of really closely monitoring those numbers to make sure we're not seeing a drop-off. But you bring up a good point. Some of these drop-offs that we see, you have to address them very quickly. You can't let things linger. So if numbers start to drop, performance starts to drop, there's a complaint from someone internally about someone who's working from home, you have to take it seriously and you have to address it right away. Otherwise, it's too hard to make corrections remotely. Yeah. So a side note to this, right, is like you're, you're, you're mentioning like productivity is a really great way to measure if this is kind of working. And then there's the social component, there's, you know, addressing concerns and, and making sure that everything's aligned. But in, on the other side of this, like the pros or like the major benefits. And, and one thing I've heard a lot is like as a parent with kids and needing flexibility, like all of a sudden at two o'clock, I have to go pick them up or 10 o'clock someone's sick or I have this crazy schedule and things are adjusting out summer. Now it's school year. Like I've heard like a lot of parents say, you know, for, for all the, the stuff they say bad about it, there's one thing I've really appreciated and that's like the flexibility part. So on the pro side of thinking remote work is the way to go, what would you say about As a parent, I can highly speak to the fact that it has drastically improved my work-life balance. I can be there when my kids need me. If my kids are sick, I can make things work. There's a lot more adjustments that you can make to be there for your family, which with everything going on over the last few years has been huge. When I was working in the office, I think I went through my sick time in the first three months of the year, every year, because kids get sick. It happens, right? And as a manager, I've always tried to make sure that there was some sort of balance. If they couldn't work or they needed to be home, I made sure that that was a priority. We have to understand that people have lives outside of work. But when they're working remote, it gets a lot easier to work during nap time, to be able to be on when they normally wouldn't be able to, and being able to accommodate that is huge. Pickup times is also a big thing. But I think even for my team members who don't have kids, think about the things like, hey, they need a plumber to come out. It's not an all-day thing, but if they were in the office, they'd have to take the whole day off so that they could let a plumber into their house. Now they have the flexibility to be able to get those life things done because we all have them, but they're still able to get their work done. It's not something where they can't do work because this person is coming. They just need to be there to let them in, make sure they can answer any questions, and then they get right back to work. And so just understanding that and recognizing that this just makes life easier for everybody. And it really gives them the balance that they've been looking for. Yeah, that's really good. I see like a lot of potential in, in it and in figuring it out. It still feels like a lot of companies are figuring this out and maybe asking themselves, if I open that door, am I like, so what would you say? If they open the door and they're like, let's try remote and they feel like it's not really working. Do you think it's something people that can roll back? It could be like, now we're all going back into the office. I mean, some companies are like, look, you, we're, we're only going to be in the office now. You've had your time to be remote, come back. And, and, employ- and it seems like employees are like, you know what? I don't want that. Like, that seems like a backwards role. What do you think about that? So this is something that has come up quite a bit. I think you have to be very transparent with your team. 
If you're testing this out, you need to be honest that this is a trial. That was a big part of what I did at the beginning of COVID with my team was I said, look, if you guys want to stay working from home, you need to prove that you are going to be effective doing it. If you can't be effective doing this, who's to say that our owners aren't going to say, hey, let's roll this all back. Everybody's got to come back to the office, right? Creating that level of transparency when you're testing something like this is really important. You have to be honest with your team. You have to be transparent. You have to let them know that it is 100% dependent on how productive they are. The conversation, having people come back to the office is not an easy one. Um, I've had to do it one time and it was a necessity. They had to come back to the office. They just weren't being productive and it had to happen. Lo and behold, they came back to the office for two months. They really wanted to go back to working remote, but they had to essentially earn it. And we have to be open to that idea that if it's not something necessarily your company wants to do, but you want to test it out and you want to test the waters, I would say I would highly recommend being fully transparent with your team that it's a test. It's all based on productivity and making sure you can still meet the business's needs and being honest with yourself, whether or not it's actually meeting those needs or not, or you just don't like working from home. Because I think that those are two different things. Right. Yeah, yeah. I, I had an employer one time who I mentioned, you know, as one of the perks to my job, I like now that I've been here long enough, I'd like to have a day at home where I work from home. And it was like, great, great, go do that. And at about six months down the road, my employer told me, like my boss sat down and said, look, I, I don't know where it's coming from, but I just feel like you're not doing any work when you work from home. And I'm just being very honest with you. He's like, I just want to ask you, like, just you know, to give me the honest answer, like, are you you're at home? And I was like, well, I'll be totally honest. When I'm at home, there's long periods of time, yeah, where, like, my kids are running around. And I want to go and say hi or meet them, or I want to go cook food, and I come back because I don't have to go out for lunch. And there's things like that happening, but I'm still working. And it's like, okay, because there's no checks, you know, there was no data points. There's no checks and balances there. It's just, I trust you when you're at home, you're working, you know? And, and I could tell his fear was like, I, how do I know? Like, am I just spending money on someone who's decided, you know, now I have the ability to not do whatever. And uh, I told him, like, you know, there was a day where I didn't do that much that day, but I made it up the next day. Or I did that. And, like, I was like, that flexibility is sort of what I mean by working from home. It's like, all of a sudden, something comes up, but I could, like you said, plumber's coming, but I could still squeeze in some work. Otherwise, I would have just made called the day out, you know? And, and having that very honest conversation, he's like, okay, I feel much better. I'm good with this now, and I'm okay. And so we moved forward with it, and that's kind of how it went. But it made me think about the communication types between your employees and your manager. Because at that time, the only thing that he did is he walked out, he saw I was working, you know. So he just had his little walk-bys, and he knew I was doing stuff. So what, like, communication types are really effective for, but for getting, like, two remote employees? Because there's some employees, like, when they're remote, you don't know what they're doing. You don't know if they're in the bathroom. You don't know if they're, what they're doing. You don't know because the flexibility is there. So there's things like chats, emails, calls, texts, but sometimes it's like, is that infringing on them because you wouldn't have done that when they were in the office? So are there some communication strategies you've used to, you said you've had a, a weekly or a daily check-in or something, like what communication strategies were, have worked well for you? I think the biggest improvement was definitely adding something like chat. So we personally use Slack, but that's a line of constant open communication. So at any given time, I can message anybody on my team and have a conversation with them. That's huge. I think another huge aspect is 
Zoom has made this very easy. So we do face-to-face communication. So all one-on-one meetings, all team meetings, my team is required to be on camera. It is the one and only time. I don't care about your hair. I don't care about what you're wearing. That's fine. But they are required to be on camera during those times. The reason being is one, the connection, right? I can't read social cues. I can't read their body language if we're not talking face-to-face. And if we're in a remote environment, sometimes that face-to-face communication is necessary, especially when you're talking about performance, things like that. So Zoom has been a huge attribute to us. I do think things like texting has also increased, but that's just the way of life, I guess. You got to adapt and you got to move forward. You can't stay stagnant forever. I do also set boundaries though, right? Because just because they're working from home doesn't mean that I can text them or call them at all hours. So that's a big part of what our Slack channel contributes to is, hey, I'm here, I'm on the clock. Or, hey, I have to leave really quick. I'll be right back. Whatever that looks like. So I know where they are and I'm not crossing those lines, right? So just like if someone was in an office and they were taking their lunch at their desk, that doesn't mean you can just walk up to them and talk to them about their work. They're on their lunch. They're still entitled to breaks. They're still entitled to a start time and an end time. And you have to respect that and roll with it. Yeah, I've heard that... Remote work can feel like you're always on call or that now, anytime there's even a slight emergency, you know, it's going to be like ringing the bell and everyone's got to come break the flexibility they have to go fix the problem. So like breaking down, like when and how you're going to communicate, how the team's going to work, your processes you've talked about seem, do seem incredibly valuable and important. And also as an employee, it's like something you can be like, rest assured. Okay. You know, it's not going to be like, bell ring an emergency every time because you know, now that I'm at home, my hours work, my hours are not 24 hours a day, you know? That's very true. Something that's put it into perspective for me is that my bosses have always been good at, if it's bad news on a Friday afternoon, it can wait until Monday, right? So they respect those boundaries and I need to respect those boundaries for my team. And so I've had really good leaders in place that have mirrored that for me, Right. Your team isn't all a team of managers. They're not on salary. You can't call them whenever you want. That's just not how it works. My boss is very good at respecting my time and knowing when I'm with my kids and knowing that, hey, I'm not going to call her at 7 o'clock on a Thursday or a Friday night because she's with her kids. She's doing bedtime. But I need to give my team that same grace and give them, hey, they're off. That means they're off. Unless there's an absolute emergency I should not be calling them just as if we were at the office. And I've had to stop and think about that. If we were in an office, would I be calling them for this after hours? If I would, great, then I'll still call them. If not, then I should not be picking up my phone. I shouldn't be texting them. I shouldn't be calling them. I shouldn't be trying to get a hold of them at all if it's not a true emergency. Yeah. Wow, that's really interesting. So you've transitioned from having a lot of employees that were in an office or a person to remote and to some, uh, maybe some hybridization in there too. But what about bringing on someone brand new? You know, like you've had the flock you've used to. You've moved with them, you know them, you've moved them in transition, you've had that rapport built. How does it go with someone brand new that you're onboarding for the first time, bringing freshly into this now remote flock? How does that go? There is a lot of over-communication in the beginning. Although we've successfully done it, 
a few times since COVID started and since we switched to remote work. There's check-ins all throughout the day. They're usually partnered up with someone all day. So that's a little bit of a difference is we use Zoom as a tool for them to just join somebody throughout their workday. Uh, they don't necessarily have to have the camera on, but it's just something where they have Zoom up, it's open, it's running, and then they can talk and ask questions as they need them versus isolating them, right? Because if they're in an office, they can turn around and ask you a question. You don't really have that here. You have Slack and you have other means of communication, but we try to leave that door open by giving them things like Zoom and just having it open and they just sit on Zoom with you all day and they kind of work beside you essentially as if you were in an office. That's been a huge thing. But I'll be honest with you, working from home has actually drastically improved our onboarding processes because we've done things like record our meetings with clients and we have Zoom meetings and we didn't have things like this before where we recorded our meetings. We just called clients and did walkthroughs. But now as this has become the norm... I have a library of calls and things like that that I can train people off of and have built this library out of necessity to onboard people, but it gives them an additional tool that really helps integrate them into the new work environment and lets them see how we operate, what a call sounds like as if they were there and sitting right next to somebody Um, and really having the team participate. I think that's a big thing is everybody on my team participates in some form or fashion when a new employee is coming on board. It's not just one, it's not just me. They're not just meeting with me. They're meeting with everybody on our team to cover different topics and different things and really leaning into that team environment. Wow. That is so interesting. I, I, I you know, you, you hear like some success stories about it. Like, we, we switched over and just everyone's loving it sort of anecdotally, but it's like a really interesting example of how like the forcing into or the, the jumping, plunging into the remote world. Okay. We've had to adapt to survive here, but it, there's things that have come out of the adaptation, like recordings and things that are helping people as they come on and never existed before. That's really cool. Um, I just want to do this so that I know where to stop it for a sec. It's at 12. I'm going to be cautious here too. You're okay if we don't have to take 10 minutes? Yep, you're good. So the next direction I wanted to go with the question here is, now, where did I go with this? Sorry, hold on. I just totally lost my place. Oh, okay. So, okay, so the next thing I want to go with this is in communication. In, in breakdowns. So how, how are you able to keep a tab on um, if something is starting to break down, not data related, but like communication related? How, how have you been able to pick up like, oh, you know, we've had a bottleneck because we're only talking at this one time, or maybe I need more meetings. Maybe this person I need to have an additional meeting with. How are you kind of, how, are you, how have you figured out or adjusted to communicating with your employees, like in terms of one-on-one or as a team? I think this all boils down really to being a good manager, right? You have to recognize that everybody on your team is different. They all have different communication needs and that doesn't change just because you go into remote work. When you were in the when I was in the office, my team all had individual needs. Some liked to have conversations all throughout the day, others just wanted to drop in my office and have a conversation. 
but you have to know your team. You have to know their needs and recognize when something is off. As a manager, it has to be top priority. If you're noticing all of a sudden someone is really quiet, it's time to check in. If someone is normally quiet and all of a sudden they're talking a whole lot more, they may need some extra interaction, right? So you have to recognize that and you have to change your one-on-ones a little bit. You have to start asking more personal questions. Mentally, how are you doing? Is everything going okay? Are there things that you need me to know? Are you struggling with certain things personally? A lot of things I feel like they would share with you in an office environment because you guys were face-to-face and talking. You have to create a space where they feel safe to still have those conversations and make sure that you're bridging those gaps and still meeting those needs. Wow, that's really good. That's a really good note. I, I mean, at the same time, like if I'm managing people, it feels like there's a lot more going on here than just simply managing them the way I did before. Like uh, there's other things I should take note of. But would you say that once you've done it for a while, you kind of get used to, okay, this is, this is like a good way to manage it, to make sure I'm asking these questions that I might've just assumed that before were, you know, because of the environment we were able to have. But uh, do you think that it, it's sort of something that you've adjusted to and that you like the way it works now? I think it's something you have to constantly adjust to right? Your team is changing. Your team is evolving. People are getting married. Things are changing, right? People are moving into new environments. They're buying houses. They're doing all these big life things. And so you're constantly having to adjust as you add new people to your team and the dynamic changes. You have to be willing to adjust your managerial style. It can't stay stagnant forever. And I think that that for me, yes, I have a norm and I have a way that I operate, but even recently I've had a couple people join my team and I have to recognize that I can't still operate the same way, right? They're long-term call source employees. They know how everything works. So maybe I'm a little more hands-off than I should be, but being honest with yourself and also recognizing that person needs a little bit more interaction and I need to make sure I make that a priority. Yeah. That's really interesting. And have you thought about, okay, we're all remote, but maybe we're going to meet in person or try to or arrange for that or see if that's a possibility or maybe have like a, still an in-person but a hybrid or a virtual meet like not not necessarily all like a work-related type thing you know like is there still room or do you think there's still a need for everyone to at some point do an in-person thing together I do. I do. I think from a social aspect, I think it's good for the team. I've had subgroups of my team come into the office so that we could meet and discuss things and just interact in person. And they're super productive because they're like, hey, let's just come in, solve the problem, and then let's get out. It has come up more recently now that things are opening up a little bit. I think this is now when this conversation is starting because as COVID is easing a little bit, people aren't as stressed out about meeting in person okay, what do we do from here? For me at CallSource, a big part of what I did here was a lot of the social aspects. So I organized our corporate games. I helped with our Christmas parties and our summer parties. And for me, that's huge. That social aspect has always been a huge part of my life. Um, I mean, even having my team over for barbecues and things like that was a big part of this before. And so that's actually the next hurdle that I'm trying to overcome is how do I bring some sort of social aspect back, right? We do like secret Santa at the holidays and do stuff like that where we interact. 
you know, a team social happy hour where everybody's on Zoom or whatever that looks like. But how do we give them that interaction so that they can communicate with each other outside of a work-related meeting? And it's okay to have meetings just like you would at the office to just talk, just hang out, show everybody your dog, let your kids run in. I think it's important to let people see that you're people and just have that time that that's okay. It's not a waste of company time to let them socialize for an hour or two on a Friday when they probably aren't being super productive, even if they are in an office to just let them socialize and have that interaction. Yeah, that's great. And it's fascinating if you've been working on that. That's like the next hurdle you're looking at overcoming. So, okay. So let's say there's two groups here. There's the employee. What tips would you give an employee who's a remote work to make sure that they're successful as a remote employee? And the other side of this is a manager. Uh, a manager is managing remote employees or hybrid employees, um, and, and there's a remote aspect to it. What tips would you give the manager for managing specifically those remote employees? So that's those two questions are sort of in there. Um, yeah. Like what strategies would you, what tips would you give them to make sure that they're set up for success? I think from an employee perspective, make sure that you're communicating with your manager on your needs and being honest with yourself and your manager. They can only meet you in the middle if you're communicating what you need from them. That's definitely a big one, but I think also setting yourself up for success, having a designated space in your house where you go to work every day keeping it and maybe separate from as much as you can, at least from your social and common areas in the house, because those distractions are going to be there. Right. But you need to have a designated space where you can go to work every day, but also for your own mental health, somewhere where you can leave work at the end of the day so that you don't want to extend your day. Right. Because that, that is a line that you also have to draw for yourself. And was very important for me. I'm very fortunate to, as an employee, I have an office at home and I can close that door at the end of the day and that's it. Work's done for the day. But even when I didn't have that designated space at home, it was still important to make sure my computer's off. Once I'm done, I'm done. I'm, I'm drawing that line. And I think as an employee, that's very important because it's very easy as an employee to cross that boundary just because it's there. Oh, I have more projects I need to get done. I need to make sure I get this done. It's okay to leave it at the end of the day. It's okay to come back to it tomorrow and recognize and understand that it's okay to disconnect from your work just like you did before and make sure you make that clear distinction for yourself. The adverse to that from a management perspective, like we talked about earlier, you have to recognize those boundaries too for your team. And you have to recognize that they're not here to be a workhorse. They're not here to work 24 hours a day. They have those designated timeframes and you need to respect that. I think as a manager, for me, the biggest thing has been trusting that I hired the right people. I have the right team. They're meeting, they're exceeding the expectations I'm setting for them and trust the process. Trust yourself. Trust that you're doing what is best for your team. And as long as you're meeting your metrics and your bosses are happy or the your P&Ls are good. Everything is showing positive signs. Recognize that that's a success and really owning that. But I think it all comes down to trust. And I think at the beginning, there were a lot of sleepless nights of figuring out, oh gosh, am I doing this right? Oh, did I do this wrong? Where, where did I mess up today? And then I had to remember that 
I have a really great team and I really trust them. And I know that they're working hard and constantly recognizing that they're working hard and giving them that acknowledgement is really important, just like you would do in an office environment and trusting yourself that you're making the right decisions and you're making corrections as quickly as you can. Wow. Yeah, that's really great advice. I, I love the idea of the employees making sure that they're protecting their environments for themselves and making sure that they're, they're like, they are responsible for their work and the stuff that they're doing, but also now it's like hey, your work environment and your projects and the stuff you do and protecting your time so that work doesn't take over your life is very important. And then as a manager, it's like recognizing that there's where lines are drawn, where barriers are. And something else you said was really stood out to me was at the end of the day, trust your process, right? I think I've heard this echoed a lot. Some employees are not going to work as hard as you. Some employees are going to do things different than you, but there's a process, there's standards, there's measurements in place. As long as those are hit and they're being, being, being exceeded, maybe you don't need duplicates, clones of yourself running around doing all these tasks. These people are distinct. You've hired them, you've brought them in. They have gifts and abilities that are different than yours that may be better suited for doing things a little bit different in their own way and allowing for that space, that creative and open space for them to excel in, in that way. And maybe even you get feedback where they say, look, here's the process. Maybe we can adjust it. And being able to do that and allow that, the, just the process be guided in a, in a sort of a feedback-driven way. To me, it's something, it, it just it was like little tones of it I was hearing what you're saying, that I was like, wow, that sounds really good. <laughs> um, as far as, this is a point where I got to ask, is there anything I haven't, we haven't talked about, we haven't said, that you feel like, or maybe you want to reiterate, anything at this point that we've missed, you want to mention, that, uh, it, it, that will help our audience understand about what, what it's entailed in managing remote employees? I think we've covered it pretty well, but I do want to elaborate on something you just said. One of the key things that I've also done with my team is included them in this process. And so right before this, we were actually having a discussion on some of the metrics that I measure them on. And I opened the discussion for, is something missing? What am I missing? What am I not seeing? Or what don't I understand from this process? And how can we improve it? You'll find that they're more dedicated to what they're doing if they get to contribute to the process. They get to be a part of the discussion. It's not just, hey, this is what you're doing because I said so. To your point, they're all people. They all have different gifts. How boring would the world be if everybody was me? We'd all go a little crazy if everybody was me. Let's be honest here. But really recognizing that, right? I serve a different client base. Everybody who's listening, they all need to have different needs. And especially in this role where they're serving your client's needs, you have to recognize each person's strengths and align them accordingly. We're not all the same. The process isn't going to work exactly the same for every individual person. And this has just helped us realize that. I think the other side to this, Kevin, is when everybody was in an office, they still weren't productive 100% of the time. Let's be realistic here. Not everybody was working all the time. Even if they're at their computer and it looks like they're working, they're not working 100% of the time. It's a good change. It's been nothing but productive for us. Do I think it's a fit for every company? No, I don't. But there is a lot to be said for trusting your team and trusting your process to make sure that they're doing what they're supposed to be doing. 
And if they're engaging a lot already only over the phone or only over computer, like our team was, there's really no difference. It's really the same environment. I think they're all, they're getting so much more done now because they have more leeway and there's more flexibility there. I'd like to sort of summarize a few things we've talked about today, which is there's a lot of different types of working environments and they might be better suited and there might be even a potential opportunity to adjust the work environments. There might be team members who excel person in hybrid or in remote, uh, maybe shifting from one to the other, depending on the time of the year. There might be reasons why um, you don't need a giant workspace with all these people coming into your office and the overhead, the cost of this building space. You, There might be a great potential to let go a little bit and explore this. Maybe trial it, like you said, Tiffany. Um, there's just a lot there. There's pros and cons. There's challenges for sure. In managing uh, employees in any environment, I think. But I, like you said, there's the things that I didn't even realize, like potential and productivity increases and in training and onboarding uh, angles and, you know, still being able to get some of the best parts out of what you were getting in, in person, maybe not fully, but, you know, having events or having things or doing you know, in-person stuff. It's like well, finding a way to make it work for what you're doing. Everyone's coming to the job to work. You know, like they're, they're, they're trying to do what they either they a passion they're after to get the work done. They're proud of the work they do. They're happy when they make clients happy. They're great when they can do what they're, they're trying to do. I mean, they're working. They chose to work here, work with this company. There's some something about it that's keeping them there, keeping them hoping and going. Helping them be successful at the end of the day is like the art of managing. So um, some of this is really awesome that remote work enables that to happen. And finally, that you've laid out some great strategies for both the employee and the manager to look at. I think one of the biggest things I'm going to take away from this is involving your employees in the process of building the process um, because they want to know how they're measured. They want to know what success looks like for them, how their, what flexibility they have, what areas they can be really good at, excel at, what things they might be excited about. They can tell you, look, this thing's going to be tough. And, you know, and all of that begins a process where it's bringing the team together format. So that, those are things that, that I, I saw. Is there anything else you wanted to, to touch on before we close out? I think if the one takeaway for me to give advice to anybody was be prepared for bumps and bruises. They're going to happen. It's not going to be perfect at first. Keep at it. Don't give up. Just like any other business problem, it takes time to get used to it. It's not going to be perfect probably for the first six months. It takes time to get there. You're, as long as you're improving every day, the process is getting better and your team is adaptable. I think that you can absolutely have success doing it as long as everybody's invested in the process. But recognizing again, if there's a problem, you have to fix it right away and recognize that it's a problem and make sure you address it or those things become okay moving forward. Yeah, oh, this has been so great. Tiffany, thank you so much for coming in and doing this podcast episode with us. You've shared such amazing wisdom and insights for managing your own employees that I think if you ha if at this point you were a little shaky, a little uncertain how it's going to look, how it's going to be, this gave you a very real glimpse into what it's like and some tips and strategies. Even if you are doing this already, hey, you said something I'd like to try. Like you know, it's okay to always go back to the drawing board. Let's be a little humble. Let's make this better. Let's do something about this. And it's a constant evolving process. Thank you so much for coming on and doing this episode with me. Of course. Thanks, Kevin, for having me. Now, Tiffany, before you just, I also forgot, 
if someone wants to reach out to you, let's say they're like, hey, Tiffany, you said something I want to know more about. How can people connect with you? How can people find you? Or, you know, is there a LinkedIn? Or is there a way that you want people to know how to connect with you or ask questions? Sure, absolutely. My door is always open, whether it's virtual or not. They can email me directly at CallSource, uh, Tiffany at CallSource.com. Pretty straightforward there. Um, or they can find me on LinkedIn, uh, Tiffany Tran. Um, happy to meet, connect, and have conversations in regards to this. Or if they're having certain struggle points, happy to connect and have those conversations if they need some input or just another body to bounce ideas off of. That's great. Thank you, Tiffany. And thank you all for everyone for listening.